The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Longwood University or the Rotunda News Magazine. On this episode of The Real Life, we talk about the ever-growing box office numbers of Black Panther yet again, the Weinstein Company's flip-flopping bankruptcy nature, the Oscar winners, and more news related to various things such as the Heathers television series, Kristen Wiig, and Toy Story Land. That's all this week on The Real Life. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Jacob Delandra. I'm an arts and entertainment staff writer, and I have the column The Real Life with the Rotunda News Magazine at Longwood University. Hi, I'm Ray Mundy, and I am a features reporter for the Rotunda newspaper at Longwood University. And we missed last week. Sorry about that, but that's why we're here this week, because we, we, were, on on, we were on spring break. We literally weren't even here. We couldn't have recorded even you if we wanted here. to. I was here. You were here, because you had... Because you have things but i was not i was back home visiting family um i still saw a film i still saw a film and i wrote a review on it i saw wrinkle in time and i have opinions about that film to say the least um and that review is up on the rotunda online.com so you can go ahead and go over there click on the arts and entertainment tab up at the very top and you can check out my review and see what i thought of it um but we had quite a bit to talk about this week and hopefully we finally finally gotten uh, a decent uh, time schedule down. So I want to go ahead and jump into things with uh, what I have decided to affectionately call the trailer roundup. And yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this. Uh, not all of these I have extensive things to say about, but... I have things to say about all of them, and so do you. We both have opinions and things that we want to talk about. The first There's one... There's movies I'm excited about that you think are going to be... Yeah, we both have different opinions. Let's actually talk about one of those first. Um, Which one? Uh, I want to talk about the Grinch trailer, because <laughs> I... <laughs> the way I feel about this film is I... It It doesn't look bad. It just looks... What was the word I used to describe it in D Hall? Um it, it began with an I. Not um it just honestly looks It just looks very bland. Bland. It looks inconsequential. It looks like insignificant. It looks insignificant. I'm honestly excited for the movie because I grew up with the Grinch. My favorite version of the Grinch has Jim Carrey in it. But like mm-hmm. come on. Okay. The movie was fun, but that's not the best version of the Grinch. Have you seen the original Chuck Jones? Oh, it's not the. I didn't say it was the best. I just that's said what that you was s- I like. Okay. okay, all right. But um, no, the, the costume thing is great. Anyway, this one I feel like is going to be a Netflix movie. I feel like this is going to be a Redbox or Netflix movie where you pick it up because you need something to watch around Christmas time. I when it's supposed to come out. I um. I I'll give it to them. They had a pretty decent gag in the beginning of the trailer with the Grinch is asleep and his alarm goes off and it's Happy by Pharrell William, which I liked because they're poking fun at themselves with how annoying that song's gotten now. And well, also his cave 
or whatever that he lived in in the mountaintop, uh, that got a lot more fancy. And his dog actually makes him coffee from a French press. Yeah. So and that was different. Like, like I like the gag at the beginning, but I think that's a good way of... I think that's a good way of showing why... I think the best Seuss film is Horton Hears a Who, because I think it's very pure, and I think it keeps in line... Like, there's a lot of weird stuff in that movie, like the anime sequence that's thrown in the middle that really is... I, I like that movie, but still, I don't know why that's in there. But, like, the this trailer is gives more of what I think Seuss movies do not need. Like, I don't need to see The Grinch and his French press coffee. I don't need to see The Grinch walking through the supermarket, getting groceries. That's so much the opposite of what Seuss's stories and books are. See The Grinch laying in bed wearing tidy whities and then he puts on furry green pants. Like, okay, that was a, that was a decent gag. I will, it was, it was, it was funny, a decent gag, it's but... It's not significant. That's... I feel like one of the things that constantly Seuss films struggle with is you have moments like that where the, the Grinch is going to the grocery store and it's like, okay, you, he's going to the grocery store, but why? There's no funny joke that comes out of it. There's no funny gag. Like, I'll give you him putting the pants on that are literally just look like the rest of him because that's a decent gag. There's a decent honestly, laugh to like be had from that. going through the grocery store and everything, it really just reminded me of Despicable Me when he's, like, messing yeah. around. Yeah, he, like, that's the other thing. And then he puts it back and then it breaks the jar. I was like... Yo, that is such a Gru move. Yeah, that's the other thing. This is Illumination, and I don't like them. I liked Sing, and the best thing... I liked Sing, and I actually like the Minions movie more than any of the other Despicable Me movies. I do not like those... No, the Minions movie, like, topped all of them. I liked it because I personally really like slapstick humor. I really like that kind of Three Stooges humor, and I think that film actually played into it way better and way more than any of the other ones had. But anyway, this is the studio that made the Lorax movie from a few years ago, which was not, yeah. Notice how they didn't put that in the trailer. They were like, from the studio that brought you all these things, conveniently left that one out because no one liked that one. Yeah, I remember being really upset with that one. But, yeah. I, um, anyway, moving on. I want to talk about a much better animated film trailer that is coming out around the same time. Wreck-It Ralph 2. Or as it's, as it's actually literally called, Ralph, wrecks the, Ralph Breaks the Internet, colon, Wreck-It Ralph 2. Which is a bad title. Um, I think it would have... I don't know. I kind of like it because I like the play on words, but I think it's too wordy. It's too wordy, and also why, like, it's literally the subtitle, colon, the title of the film. Well, why not just call it Wreck-It Ralph Breaking the Internet? Or Ralph Wrecks the Internet. Yeah. Like, anyway, that's clearly nitpicking. Uh, This looks like if the Emoji Movie was made by a competent studio. Like, (laughs) it, it's already hitting on some of the... nicety from you today it's it's all shade it's already hitting on some of the same kind of jokes and tones and while none of it's really shown off in the trailer i have read articles where people have seen clips and storyboards from this movie that i really hope it plays into like i liked wreck it ralph a lot because it felt like the most dreamworks movie disney's ever made Mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is dreamworks always kind of has that 
it has an edge, for better or for worse. It has that little bit of cynicism, while Disney movies tend to be very nice and pretty and happy all the time. And Ralph had that little bit of cynicism. And from what I, like, there was an, in, there was an article that Polygon wrote over the summer where someone went to, uh, it was at Comic-Con, someone got, in, I think it was at Comic-Con, someone got invited back to see, like, a clip of the movie. And in the clip that they saw, which was just storyboards, it was, Ralph and Vanellope arrive on a website called Oh My Disney, which was a, I think it was a fan website that eventually became a actual, like, Disney site. Um, and they're led around, and while they're led around the site, they see Stark Tower in the background, and they see, like, Pixar uh, people walking around, and the First Order Stormtroopers are walking, protecting the original Disney princesses who are voiced by their original voice actresses. And... While I don't know how much of that will make it into the overall film, I hope a lot of it does. Because they have confirmed that for a cameo or whatever, the original princesses and their voice actresses are returning. But I really hope it plays into that. I could see a lot of... I feel like if any franchise that Disney has right now is apt to jump into that self-depreciating uh, humor, it would be Ralph. Just because it's the one with the most cynicism, it's the one with the most quirkiness... Uh, and I feel like it's the best fitting for something like that. Yeah, true. I like, honestly, the way that the trailer goes, where, um, like, the Wi-Fi comes up, and they go through the door, and they're, like, sucked in through this tunnel, and then they plop down in the city. I was very much reminded of uh, robots from when the millennial generation was younger. I grew up with robots. I thought it was a great movie with um especially the city scenes but it also reminded me of zootopia which also which more recently came out yeah and that also had that big city um i don't know i'm i'm happy with this trailer i think it's just a very well made and well edited trailer Mm -hmm. uh there's not really a lot to grasp about it from story because it is just a teaser trailer but i'm happy we finally got to see something about it um Speaking of teaser trailers, yes. do you want to talk about the other one? Uh, well, there's a few teaser trailers in here. I wanted to go ahead and really quickly just jump through a few of these that I don't really have a lot to say on, but I want to bring up the fact that they are happening. Um, Fahrenheit 451, I love this book. I love this story. HBO's making a movie about it, which is really cool to me. Um, Michael B. Jordan is starring in it. Michael Shannon's starring in it. Both coming off of critically acclaimed roles in films like The Shape of Water and Black Panther. So this looks like an interesting film. It is a teaser trailer, um, so it doesn't give away a whole lot, but I know that HBO really isn't that concerned with trailers for their movies and stuff. Our generation, Fahrenheit 451, that was like a huge book that a lot of of our generation had to read in school. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, my, uh, definitely it was offered in middle school and all throughout high school to read it. It was offered in your middle school? Yeah. I live in a way more conservative town than you did, um, clearly. But, yeah, I mean, it's a teaser well, trailer. Grade, but still. Yeah. It's a teaser trailer. There's, a not, there's not a lot to um, talk about. Um, one of the other teaser trailers, or two of the other teaser trailers, uh, Christopher Robin, a really, what looks like a really adorable film. I love I Ewan McGregor. I love Jim Cummings. I cried during this trailer because Winnie the Pooh is like a huge part of my life. Well, not only that, Winnie the Pooh has his original voice actor, so the voice is right, and I'm so excited. Well, I... Jim Cummings has never not voiced Pooh. 
I know, but that's the exciting part. That's what makes Pooh his character. Everybody else got recast except for him. I know, but like... and and the other voices. I'm not a. I'm not throwing shade. I like the uh, the rest of the cast. I but really like them. Voice. But yes, you can't. It has to be Jim Cummings. It has to be Jim Cummings. Who? And then it like from the way that the trailer goes because. Um, it's a it's, teaser. Yeah, it's a teaser, but, like, and Christopher Robin's definitely going through some drama in his life, and all of a sudden, his childhood friend, Pooh Bear, reappears. So I'm kind of wondering, like, what we're going to go into with that. Mm-hmm. And if it's going to be a movie that's about the theme of, like, you need to go back to your roots when you're having, when you're struggling with something in life. Yeah. Remember where you came from. And for... And it's definitely a teaser trailer. It's only like a minute long, so it's like a teaser trailer, um, which is not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but everybody knows who Pooh Bear is, right? So you don't need to sell them on like an eight, like a three minute long teaser trailer. I still want one. Um, I mean, yeah, but um, the other brief teaser trailer, Mary Poppins Returns. Again, there's not a lot to talk about with this trailer in terms of plot or anything of that nature, but Lin-Manuel Miranda and Emily Blunt and Ben Wishaw, and I'm, it's the director of Into the Woods and Chicago and Memoirs of a Geisha, and this movie well, looks really good. It's Emily Blunt that's playing Mary Poppins. Yes. Well, so it's interesting because you can already see that she's going to have a lot of sass in this movie just from the trailer. Mm-hmm. In the trailer, they go, oh, Mary Poppins, it's so great to see you, or something along those yes, lines. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So I'm really excited to see that and to see what other cups she's got besides sugar. Um, uh, moving right along here, uh, we're in the home stretch. Um, documentary trailer, which documentaries are typically hard to put out a trailer for, so I appreciate any company that's willing to put out a trailer and make it good. Uh, RBG, that's the name of this film, which for those who are not in the know, that stands for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is an incredible badass, and I cannot wait for this movie, and it looks great, and I love a good documentary. This is about a woman who fought for women to be in law. She She's a judge. She is all about female empowerment. Uh, I would say that this movie is this movie's going to do a lot for the women's movement. I hope that it's... I also hope that it gets put out in theaters. Because I know it's going to be put out in theaters, but I mean, I hope it's put out in more than, like, ten theaters across the country. No, this needs to be, like, a big movie. I, I hope it will be, or I hope it's at least one of those movies that's... It looks like it from the trailer that it could be. Well... It, it looks it. like it, but it's the studio behind it. It's Magnolia Pictures, which is a good indie studio, but they're an indie studio. I hope that maybe they're like, we partnered with Amazon to like put this in more theaters or something like that. Because this I has just hope the... more people want to see it in more theaters. So do I, because this movie looks like it has the potential to make waves, especially given the current climate. Um, Crimes of Grindelwald, Fantastic Beasts two. We're going back to Harry Potter world. I'm so excited. I feel un. I feel underwhelmed. Really? I feel teased. Well, yes, I guess that would be a better word. But see, here's the thing. With when Fantastic Beasts and its trailers came out, I felt like it was just the right amount of tease because 
we didn't know anything about those characters, that story, yet. Now that we do, I'm kind of like, we don't need a teaser. You don't need to tease us with who are these characters. We know who these characters well, are. Just just give us a trailer. I'm concerned about the teaser because of the way that Fantastic Beasts ended. Fantastic Beasts ended with... um. Pretty much everybody went their separate ways for the most part. Like, they made uh, the one guy completely forget that he was even a part of the magical world. And now all of a sudden he's He's back. He's back. He's back. So it's like... Which... Where... How did that happen? So I'm interested to see that transition. And the two females that were in the last one are also in this movie. Which one of them went with him? And I I do not mind them being there. I loved the both of them. They were my favorite part of the entire film. Um, oh, well, they were lovely and darling, but it's just like you ended the first film one way, and now you're saying that this is a sequel, and all of a sudden you brought these characters back. I feel like there's... So where's there, the explanation of it? And it is a teaser trailer, so we can only dive into like, where's the explanation so much because it is a teaser trailer, um, but I feel like with like specific things with like that the character who forgot, Jacob, that's his name. Um, Thank you. Um, it is teased at the very end because, like, one of the females that he, like, had a love interest with walks into his bakery and, like, That's they true. they have she that does. cute little scene. But, like, if you want to really tease us with is he going to come back or is he not, don't put him in the trailer. Just don't put him in the – because it's possible because it's, like, a two-and-a-half-hour-long film, so you got enough footage. Just don't put him in the trailer if you really want to tease us because then it, that starts the discussions of not – how did this character, how is he back, is, is this person back? Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm wondering if he's only going to be in the teaser and not the trailer. No. Now that they're spo- like, now that it's a thing that they've spoiled, they're like, who give- who cares? Like, that was like at the end of the Kingsman, the Golden Circle teaser, when they were like, Harry's back? He's not dead? In the full trailer, they were like, yeah, just throw him in. People already know. Just just put him in there. That's true. That's true. Um, the... Last two trailers, the two biggest trailers that I want to talk about, which are, ironically, two of the smallest films on this list. First one, Eighth Grade, the directorial debut of Bo Burnham. I'm just excited for this film because I feel like I'm going to be able to relate to it really well. Eighth Grade, for me, sucked. Like, I hated Eighth Grade. I I don't want to say anything about what the trailer's about. It's obviously about Eighth Grade. Because that's the title of the film. But I don't want to say anything about what this trailer's about. Because I really just go watch the trailer. Because it fills me with a sense of nostalgia and intensity and dread that I... Felt in eighth grade. Felt in eighth grade. And also kind of feel like when I watch a trailer for a horror movie. Like, it's not a horror movie. But it fills you you with that kind of dread and anxiety... Well, for a second, I thought I was back in eighth grade. But I feel like if you are, because I won't spoil it because you don't want to spoil it. So if you hated middle school for even a day, you should probably go watch this trailer. So in other words, if you're a living, breathing person, you should go watch the trailer. It's, it feels honest and it feels real. And I know that's a phrase that gets thrown 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 around a lot with these kinds of like, low-budget indie films, um, but it feels real, uh, and it just, I don't know, I, the, the main actress, she looks adorable, 
and she I'm looks excited. I just it looks like so many teen movies nowadays I feel like are trying to appeal to the younger generation and this one looks like it's not trying to appeal to the younger generation it's like it like You'll have a teen movie that comes out that's made by, like, Fox or, like, a big studio. And it's like, hey, we're a teen movie. Hashtag lit. And you're kind of groaning at it. But this one has, like, the trailer has, there's a teacher who dabs. They're like, it's going to be lit and stuff like that. But it doesn't feel yeah. forced. It feels like this is what this is what teachers did. This is what teachers do. This is what adults kind of did in this world, in this in, in nowadays, it doesn't feel forced and it doesn't feel manufactured like you're trying to appeal. It feels like we're putting this in there because this is real. This is what happened. It feels nostalgic, but it doesn't at the same time because um, the technology's different. No, because they got iPhones. I mean, we had iPhones in eighth grade, but we didn't have all the. Are apps. you are you talking about? Are you talking about it feels different from when we were in eighth grade? Yes, that's what yeah. I'm saying. I mean, that's a given. That's a given. Yeah, so, like, but it definitely still has that nostalgic feel of, like, dude, I've been there. I know what you're going through. It sucks. You'll survive. You just, you gotta get through it. I, there's also a part in the trailer where it, for me personally, I, this had a lot of memories flowing back. Somebody's like, when did you get Snapchat? And the main girl, she just says, fifth grade. And they were like, fifth grade? Really? You got in fifth grade? Wow. And my brain went back to moments of, because I was around people who played video games a lot, because I'm a nerd, um, moments in middle school and sometimes even in high school that were like, hey, did you hear about this secret level? I got to the secret level. You didn't. But I like those kinds of things where now you look back and you're like, okay, why does that matter? And also that place level weapon whatever probably didn't even exist so why are you bragging about like those kinds of moments of i did this thing well yeah i did this thing that only exists in middle school human competition yeah um uh the very last trailer which is a film i don't know how to describe and is another movie where i'm I don't want to say anything about the trailer, but I kind of have to. Sorry to bother you. I think I think it'll do a lot culturally. Um, I think it's going to add on just like Black Panther added on. I think it'll add more to our culture just like Atlanta did or Blackish did. Um, the main character in this movie is a black male who is trying to... He's a telemarketer. Yeah, he's a telemarketer. And one day he's... People keep hanging up on him and people keep just saying like, oh no, we they just hang up on it because he's a telemarketer and he's annoying. And his co-worker, played by Danny Glover, <laughs> love Danny Glover, was just like, you gotta use your white voice. And the whole film changes. It. And I think this is going to point out a lot of things that we don't think about in the professional world. Not even that, like... But also racially, like what we don't think about racially. Not even just that, like... I always appreciate any film that is willing to have a voice or talk about anything. It, whether it's a difficult thing, whether it's an easy thing, whatever. It excites me when a film is willing to do it in with such a 
bonkers, like wacko, out of left field style, like this one seems to be doing. Like the best comparison that I, I can feel, make. I feel like it's it is out of left field, but it's not. Well, not not necessarily in terms of the contact or the concept, but just like visual style. Like it has that kind of slanted visual style. If you've ever seen Be Kind Rewind with Jack Black or okay, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind with Jim Carrey, it has this like kind of slanted or tilted real life style. Like there's they briefly showed in the trailer when he gets on the phone with someone who he's telemarketing with, his desk drops through the floor and he's like in their dining room. So he really clearly isn't in the in the context of the story, but just that visual is such a bizarre and interesting way to portray that, that it just, it's so, I don't know, something about this film just captured my attention and held it. And I don't know, it's definitely shot to like, it has this sort of indescribable bizarreness to it wrapped up in a story that has the potential to be extremely timely that. Oh, I think it'll definitely be timely. It's probably the movie I'm the most excited for of this year at this point in time. Oh, yeah. Um, and I say that with hesitation because, like... More movie trailers are coming. More movie trailers are coming, and also the fact that like, at this particular point in time last year, I didn't know what Shape of Water was. And it was my favorite movie of last year. So I can say that I'm the most excited for this film. And then by this time next year, I'm like, no, I was actually the most excited for this movie that I had no idea existed, had no idea was coming out, and could not even have predicted would have been my favorite. Like, okay. In two weeks from now, you and I will have a whole new list of trailers to talk about. I know. For you to get excited. And for. that is actually all of the trailers we will be talking about this week. And we want I want to move on to um, a segment. We're going to be splitting up the way we do news now as opposed to talking about all the stories together. We're going to talk about some of the smaller stuff that we can just briefly mention and briefly talk about but doesn't need a whole lot of description. And then go into the larger stories that uh, need a little bit more... Um, diving into them, and I want to affectionately call those tiny little smaller stories the small potatoes. All right, uh, first tiny little smaller news story. So, uh, the small potatoes. So, South by Southwest is currently happening. For those who are unaware, South by Southwest is, it is a film festival in Austin, Texas that is fairly loose and kind of, like, it, it, it's just, it's a fairly, like, other places like Sundance and Khan that are fairly uh, strict and regimented. South by Southwest is more freewheeling, like, we got video games, we got TV shows, we got movies, like, guys, let's just show off some cool stuff. It's still a festival, but it's more a convention than, like, a we're going to go and compete. And there's still things that people can walk away with, but, um, uh, yeah. it's So, Blumhouse Productions, for those who are unaware, Blumhouse Productions is the powerhouse behind the Conjuring series, Get Out, Unfriended, um, Truth or Dare, or Truth or Dare is about to come out, um, Insidious and uh, what was Happy Death Day? They're they clearly know how to make good horror films. And their newest one is Unfriended: The Dark Web. But see, here's the thing. 
So the thing that makes this, or the thing that I at least wanted to briefly mention this, this is a movie that I I enjoyed the first Unfriended. I actually haven't seen it yet. It's surprisingly good, and for one particular reason, the I entire that I wouldn't actually get online ever again. If the I got the it. entire film is actually literally just like you're looking at a computer screen. It's not That's like. Why I was to watch it because I was afraid I would never get back on my computer. And it unfolds in real time. Yeah. Which this sequel is supposed to do. But the thing that amuses me about this is this film was technically on Blumhouse's, like, like if you looked on Wikipedia or Box Office Mojo, this was on their list of, like, movies coming out. But it, they only just now were like, hey, guys, remember that movie that's listed online as our untitled sequel that comes out in, like, June or whenever? Uh, yeah, that's going to be Unfriended the Dark Web. And here's a trailer at South by Southwest. It hasn't been released to the public yet, but I just find that amusing that they were like, by the way, this is a thing. Because uh, they have the ability to do that, because they built that as their business model, making small horror films for pennies on the dollar that are maintain creative control and end up being pretty decent. Yeah, I'm excited. We yeah. should do a marathon. God, no, I hate horror movies. Um, God, I'll make popcorn. Because I'm a wimp. <laughs> um, so, for those... You're going to have to review it for the redunda anyway. I, well, not if it comes out over summer. I can, like, let it... Gloss over are my gonna, schedule. You, is the movie critic in you going to be able to actually do that, though? Yes. I passed on Daddy's Home too. Okay, but that's Daddy's Home too. I don't want to talk about Daddy's Home too anymore. <laughs> um, so, for those who are unaware... <laughs> hey, Ray, did you know that there's a Heather's TV show coming out? I heard about it. You want to tell me more about it? Um, it looks bad. It looks cringy and bad. It looks like it's being updated in all the wrong ways and kind of losing the point of the original uh, film because I love the original film because I'm a weirdo. It's a blow-up, not a glow-up. Yes. I've actually never heard that before. I'm not even... I just came up with it in the last 15 seconds. But so it's airing on the Paramount Network, which is literally just Spike TV rebranded as Paramount Network. Why is that? It's the same exact channel, and they're airing the same exact things, uh, no but it's just, um, the it's just now called the Paramount Network. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's pretty much like what um, ABC Family did. Yeah, with Freeform, yeah, um, okay. which I'm actually not opposed to this because I'm pretty sure if anybody was like, yeah, my show's airing on Spike TV, the first thing that would have popped into somebody's head would be like, hey, bros, welcome to Spike TV. It's a thousand ways to, like, all those, like, really crappy, like, dude bro shows, like, welcome to Pimp My Grill, or, like, this is the strip club show, or, like, none of those are real, but, like, they're the crappy, like, dude bro, low-budget shows that are just, they're just bad. We're just here to entertain. And Lip Sync Battle. Like, all their crappy shows, and then here's Lip Sync Battle. Um, But so, Heather's TV show premiering, supposed to premiere March 7th. It did not. Can you take a guess as to why... This show about high schoolers being murdered got pushed forward on its release date. Yikes. Parkland. Yeah. Um, so this this is, some of these stories are about a, like a week or so old because we did take last week off. But yeah, Heather's television show was originally supposed to premiere March 7th, but was pushed forward to an unknown date, or at least, yes, they, 
have not announced when uh, it will premiere, but they've just announced that it will be pushed forward. Yeah. Because since Parkland, we've also had three other shootings. Yeah, and this is... Yeah. This this is an... I'll not about if their movie goes down the drain. I mean, it's not a movie. Sorry, show, but... And there's... Like, I feel like this is a the perfect storm of a terrible tragedy and also a TV show that was not getting a lot of positive internet feedback kind of button heads like people if you look at the comments and the dislikes on the official trailer people hate the way this looks and they it's we'll watch it after this um but other small potatoes Kristen Wiig will be the villain in Wonder Woman 2 she's playing Cheetah I know and I actually, we were going to talk about this last week. Can we do a marathon on Wonder Woman? Of what? Wonder Let's just Wonder watch Wonder. the first, a watch marathon. The first one before you go and see the second Yes, movie. obviously. But like you said, a marathon as if there's multiple films. There's two. There's going to be two. I know there's going to be two. Um, we, I was actually going to talk about this last week when we would have had an episode, but we had spring break, and be, which I just find amusing because... Last time we were going to talk about it, it was only rumored, but now it's officially been confirmed. And this, I, this, I, I don't, like, I don't think this is a bad decision. I'm not, like, jumping out of my seat like, this looks like this is going to be amazing or anything. I think it's a good casting. I think it intrigues me. But it's not, it's not something that, like, jumps out at me, if that makes sense. I just, I want to see her in, I want to see a trailer where it teaches. Oh, this is Trail, bro. This movie's supposed to come out like 2019. We're not getting a trailer for a while, or even if then. I don't know if that's even if then. Um, I just want to see her in costume. I just, I really, I'm excited to see what the costume's gonna look like. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, so am I. I'm just interested to see if they go like full cheese with like what Cheetah looks like, or if they're going to streamline and modernize her, which I imagine they will. Um, I might go half and half. Toy Story Land. I think that this will be beneficial. At first, I'm not going to lie, when I first heard about this, I thought it was another movie, and I was like, okay, we need to leave Toy Story alone. Oh, no, Toy Story 4 is coming out in 2019. But, okay, okay, side tangent, do you know the plot of that movie? Because I I hated it until I heard the plot synopsis. Woody and Buzz go on a road trip because they found out where Bo Peep was sold in the yard sale. Yeah! And that immediately sold me. I was like, okay, no, this is fine. This is fine. I'm on board with okay, this now. Okay. Um, okay. But Toy Story Land, um, after building up for about a week or so on Twitter of Dis- Walt Disney World tweeting out, like, follow the ball, hashtag follow the ball on the Oscars, there was a short ad that showed the Pixar ball rolling across the country, rolling through the Walt Disney World gates, and then rolling into the new Toy Story Land um, and Slinky the dog and following Slinky, behind. Slinky following the ball and Woody being there at the gates to greet him. And it just, it I looks... I think it'll be a fun resort. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun... Well, I mean, it's... Well, not resort, but like... It's a new thing. section of Hollywood Studios. Um, well, they... Disney is gutting Hollywood Studios. Like, the Backlot Tour is no longer there. The stunt show is no longer there. The ear, The tower, the water tower is no longer there. I know. And while I do have very particular opinions of what they've done with Hollywood Studios recently, 
Um, I'm excited for this area. I think it'll be fun. I well, think it'll be good. You get to eat lunch within the lunchbox from Toy Story. Mm-hmm. And you get to hang out with all of the oversized characters. Slinky Dog roller coaster. Yeah, that's going to be little go Little green that. men, like, spinning uh, UFO thing. Um, a part of me hopes... Do, do you know about... There's also a new shooting game. Well, yeah, they're taking Toy Story Mania that yeah. was a thing or has been a thing for a few years and just, like, extending it. They're going to make it a little bit longer. Yeah. Which is always cool because that ride is awesome. I can't wait to see what they do um, ride-wise for Buzz or Jesse. I hope there's there's got to be, like, some kind of roller coaster with Buzz. or it, like I think both should have a roller coaster. Well, or, like, something. I, I want another Star Command ride. Like, I feel like there's such there's so much to dig into there. Like, sure. just because you can just make something up. You just makes like this is the Zerg attack or whatever. Exactly. Um, so, like apparently the Slinky the Dog roller coaster is in the dark, but I really want the Buzz Lightyear one. Like if that's gonna be a roller coaster, I want that one in the dark. Yeah, I want and I don't in the dark. I actually, while I think Buzz is primed for a roller coaster, I don't know if they're gonna do it mainly because you already got a Buzz ride. It's in Tomorrowland. Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin. It's been there for like twenty something years, I know, and it's a classic. But I want a new one. I know, so do I. But Space Ranger Spin is a classic. It is. I'm like, I would totally go on it again and again and again. Oh, my family, when we, my family's vacation club members, and sometimes the vacation club members, it'll be like, Magic Kingdom closes at midnight, but if you're a vacation club member, you can stay until 2 a.m. My brother and I have literally run out of the exit of Space Ranger Spin and just run back in like eight times. I've ridden Goofy's Barnstormer like 20 times in a row because of that. Space Mountain, I got a record on Space Mountain. Um, but it looks it looks like a fun area. It looks like a fun attraction. And it just, it looks like something that, I don't know, it looks like an extension of, I feel like at this point that means they're not, because that original area where Toy Story Mania and all that was, was called Pixar Place. So I feel like that's not a thing anymore. Well, I'm wondering if they're going to take out all the Toy Story stuff from Pixar Place and put different Pixar movies in because they've come out with No, because I feel like, they were. That's what they were originally going to do with Pixar Place. Is just add more uh, Pixar related properties. Yeah, but, but now they can like now that they have Toy Story Land, all of the Toy Story stuff can go in there, and then they can like instead of expanding and taking up more space, it's kind of like no. That's what I'm space. saying. I think Toy Story Land is replacing Pixar Place. Oh. Like Pixar Place has been abandoned, and now it's just Toy Story. Oh. Which. I think that is what's happening. I don't think it's like it wouldn't. I think that is just what happened. Because I haven't seen pictures of like where it actually is in correspondence with the rest of the park. That's I've seen nice. pictures of the rides and attractions, but I haven't seen like where in the layout it is. Well, you'll have um, to tell me how the ride is. I'm really curious about the Slinky Dog ride. I'm. Well, actually, you, it's fun. You mentioned that, but like my mother the other day was like, we have to go back to Disney this year. <laughs> it's been like two years since we've been, and because my mother is an addict. Hi, Mom. We need to go back to Disney again. And this opens June 30th, so I can maybe tell you. Although if the lines... We we, have my number, so you can text me. We have, or we went, like, the year. Not even the month. The year that Toy Story Mania was first opened. The Midway Shooting Gallery Mm -hmm. one. It was, like, five months after it had opened. And the lines were, like, still an hour and a half long. So who, who the hell knows how long these lines are going to be? Um, with all the screaming children. Yeah. 
brief mention, uh, because we've talked about it a whole lot in the past. Uh, I want to talk about Black Panther one more time, really, really quickly. Um, probably won't be the last time. Probably won't be. Black Panther crosses $1 billion <laughs> worldwide. And here's why I want to bring this up. Not only did it do this, but it... So, Black Panther's been out for four weeks, and it's made a billion dollars worldwide. The first Avengers film, which currently holds the record for the most amount of money grossed by any Marvel film ever, um, so the Avengers has the highest box office of any Marvel film ever, $1.5 billion in 22 weeks. Black Panther reached a third of that in four weeks. I think it is very possible that Black Panther might become the highest-grossing film in the Mar- in that Marvel's ever made. I think it deserves it. I think it deserves it. I think it's extremely likely. I also, like, I don't want to say deserve lightly. Like, Black Panther, the movie itself, everything that it's brought up, Black Panther earned getting a $1 billion. It's earned the reception it's got. It's earned the money it's got. And it makes me happy and it makes me excited. Um, One uh, last uh, little small potatoes thing. And I'll explain why this is small potatoes because it sounds like it shouldn't be um, before we get to the big meaty stuff. Uh, The Duffer Brothers, the creators of Stranger Things, respond to accusations of verbal abuse um peyton brown who is a grip who for people who don't know a grip is like somebody who holds the boom mic who maintains sound equipment um wrote on instagram that she would not be returning for season three of stranger things because the deffers created a hostile work environment for women where they sought out and verbally abused multiple women the reason that at least at this particular point in time i'm classifying this as small potatoes is um netflix Looked into the allegation, looked into because the, they have people on their sets making sure things are smooth, working smoothly in terms of production schedules. Um, they said that they found no wrongdoing when they were looking into the allegations. The Duffer brothers said they're upset that, to learn that someone felt uncomfortable on the set. Brown deleted her Instagram post and then reposted it with comments disabled. Um, and it's... I don't I have know. Mixed feelings. I, 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 the thing that, because I don't want to, I don't want to discount anything that she's saying, but the thing that just, I just have mixed feelings because we're not given, it's examples. We're not or given evidence. We're not given examples. Um, it's been a, it's been a week or so since this story came out, and no one else has said anything about it. No one else has come forth like yes. This happened to me because she claims it was multiple people, but no one else has said anything. And also... There was one person that came forward. There was some... Oh, a comment... Oh, okay, I see here. But a comment on the original... one other person that's come forward and said, like, yes, I was harassed or verbally abused. Um. And also, this seems like a cheap thing to say, but the fact that... I don't know. The fact... Millie Bobby Brown is despite her age, clearly outspoken. Um, and just the fact that she's said nothing about this either way 
just irks me. So again, well, I'm wondering if she's being told to stay quiet about it. Maybe, but I feel like she wouldn't, because it's not like you can Unless recast her. Ooh, NDAs are a bitch. So, because we haven't heard anything from any from of the, the cast, yeah, from the Stranger Things cast, which is un. Very unusual because that's not how it goes. Yeah. Usually all of the actors are very outspoken. They're very quick to shut down um, things that people have had problems with in the past. Like when people were over-sexualizing the show, the whole cast came forward and was like, please don't well, do yeah, this. We're children. I feel like that's, that's slightly different, though, because that while that is gross, that's like the, the people in the general it's public as opposed to internal. external rather than internal. Um, so we'll keep we'll monitor the story, see if anything else comes up, and probably bring it up later. Um, and now we have the bigger news, the bigger stories. And <laughs> once again, we talk about the Weinstein Company because okay. I, I want to give a little bit of backstory to my research process for the podcast. So just about the moment that that an episode goes up, I start compiling information and news stories for the next podcast. So... In other words, Jacob does all the work. I do all the work, and I do it, like, the moment one episode airs to the next episode. So, I, on, like, Tuesday of last week, found a story, oh, the Weinstein Company is declaring bankruptcy because Mary Con- uh, Maria Contreras Sweet and her group pulled out of the agreement. A few days later, a new story breaks, says, oh, that's not the case. They never they never formally pulled out of the agreement. They are still involved in it. They still want to be involved in it. They were surprised they were just as surprised as anybody that they pulled out of that the news broke that they pulled out of the agreement. So they said, no, we're going we are continuing to discuss with them. We still want to be in the conversation. Well, a few days later, they said, no. Actually, we are pulling out of the agreement 100%. Like, officially, we are. Um, because uh, according to a statement um, from M- Maria, all of us have worked in earnest on the transaction to purchase the assets of the Weinstein Company. However, after signing and entering into the confirmatory diligence phase, we have received difficult we've received disappointing information about the viability of completing this transaction. As a result, we've decided to terminate the transaction. So basically what the deal was is that there was, they knew that there was debts from people needing to be paid from box offices, from budgets. They knew that there were debts going into the buyout. They knew that those things existed. However, they were not told, so it's not that they were, misled on the amount of debts that already existed, they weren't told that some debts existed at all. And so basically, basically, I, I'm not sure of the specific amount that they originally agreed on, but I, but to sum you it up... You told me that it was a lot. It was a lot, but what I'm basically saying is like, I think the original agreements was like, hey, we've got about like $6 million of debt. And they're like, like, okay, that's chill. We know about that. Um, according to this, 
They received difficult, disappointing information when they entered the signing phase that there was another $50 million plus dollars of debt that they were not even remotely told about. I would have pulled out too. I'd have been like, yes, so, I- so here's the thing. That wasn't the only reason that they pulled out. That would have been enough reason for me. Well, yes, but according to a source close to the uh, negotiations talking to NPR, they said that not only was it this new information, but it was the realization that if this new information came out, they were worried that more debt could be uncovered later. So it wasn't even necessarily the amount of the $50 million. It was the fact that, wait, you hid this from us. What else are you hiding? We don't want any part of that. We're out. I don't blame them because hiding 50 plus million dollars of debt, like if you're willing to hide something that monstrous, like what else are you hiding? So in the end, um, uh, um, in the end, uh, hold on, I lost my place. I apologize. Oh, here it is. I, I apologize. Um, in the end, Mary Contreras Sweet, she stated that, I believe that our vision to create a woman-led film studio, which we talked about her plans to do so in the first episode, is still the correct course of action. To that end, we will consider acquiring assets that may become available in the event of bankruptcy proceedings, as well as other opportunities that may become available in the entertainment industry. So Ma- Maria still wants to create her female-led, female director... Um, film studio that she was planning on doing with the Weinstein Company, keeping the assets but gutting the internal staff and board of directors to create this studio. Clean house, uh, clean house yeah. And I, I definitely think that when it comes to the bankruptcy and when it comes to picking off assets, because what's basically going to happen now is now it's going into the process of, okay, who is going to get the rights to this franchise, this movie, these scripts, things of that? Like, it's going to be picking and choosing in auctions. I think that we're going to see her name in quite a few of those auctions. Definitely. Um, but, yeah, that's that's probably the biggest thing this week in terms of big news. But it's not the only thing because the Oscars were last Sunday, and it kind of actually caught me by surprise because I forgot they were last Sunday. Um, but I want to briefly talk about the winners, the losers, the, uh, well, it's not really worth talking about the snubs because we already talked about the snubs. Um, I want to talk about the winners, the losers, the surprises, um, things of that nature. Just run down the list fairly quickly. Um, best actor, Gary Oldman. I disagree. Um, I enjoyed Darkest Hour. I didn't think he gave the best performance. I will still push that I think Daniel Kaluuya gave the best performance in Get Out. Um, Plus, it always kind of unsettles me a little bit when an actor's performance is so heavily relies on... Because Gary Oldman gave a good performance, but so much of that relied on the makeup and prosthetics. And while I do think that the win for Mm. uh, best makeup for Darkest Hour was deserved... I Wait, let me actually check and make sure they won that. Because I'm almost positive that they did. Uh, but where the heck is the thing? Oh, here we go. Wait, where is the... For some reason, it's not... Oh, okay, here we go. Bleh. I, I like hit the technology. wrong thing. Huh? I said I love technology. I, I love technology as well. Um, 
the best makeup Oscar went to Darkest Hour. Yes, it was Darkest Hour. Yeah, I'm. I don't know if I'm gonna edit it out because it's real. It's real, man. It's real. Um, real time for the real life. Best visual effects, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yes. Best film editing, Dunkirk. I disagree. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. It's a big epic war movie. It's going to sweep these kinds of technical awards. But this yeah. year, it it irked me in particular this year because not only did Dunkirk win best film editing, but it won best sound editing and best sound mixing over Baby Driver, which is a film that is literally based around sound and music. Like, it's integral to the plot and how the film plays out, which is why I think that's kind of bull. Wait, what did Baby Driver win? Nothing. Dunkirk won Best Sound Mixing, Best Sound Editing, and Best Film Editing over Baby Driver. That's what it was nominated in. Yeah, I disagree as well. I didn't didn't watch Dunkirk, but I did watch Baby Driver. Yes, and I think it's kind of cheap as well. Like, you had two of the lead actors for Baby Driver presenting the Best Sound Mixing and Best Sound Editing Awards, which I'm not saying that that meant... I'm not saying that meant the film should have won. I'm saying that feels kind of cheap to make anyone whose whose films are nominated in a category present an award. Like you wouldn't have That's just wrong. You wouldn't have Frances McDormand who's the lead in 3 Billboards present Best Picture where 3 Billboards was also nominated like um That's just wrong. But Best Makeup and well, Hairstyle. Because then it would have been awkward if they did win. Yeah. It would have felt cheap, That's like, oh, not... you had you had the people who were going to win presenting. Oh, okay, we get it. Like, that's just, that was horrible. Whoever whoever said that was a good idea, you're wrong. No. You're wrong. Um, best costume design, Phantom Thread. Uh, I'm surprised. The entire film is based around a guy who's obsessive about his clothes. Of course it's going to win best yeah. costume design. Best cinematography, Blade Runner 2049. Roger Deakins finally gets his Oscar! 18 times this man has been nominated for Best Cinematographer, and he finally wins! And not only did he win, he won for a film that legitimately deserved it. It wasn't just like, oh, we're going to give this to you because we feel bad because you've been nominated 18 times now and we feel bad. Blade Runner 2049 definitely deserved it. Um, well, if he's been nominated 18 times, I would hope that all of his films were worth No, they're, they're all beautiful and gorgeous. Um, also the first time a woman has ever been nominated for Best Cinematographer. Rachel Morrison for the Netflix film Mudbound, who, guess what film she just was the director of photography for? Which one? Black Panther. Really? Yeah! Ryan Coogler knows how to pick his crew. Um, Best production design, which is the sets and just the general look of the film. The Shape of Water. Definitely agree with that one. Um, Best original song. Take a wild guess. Can I have, like, multiple choice? I mean, think about the movies that came out this year that were critical darlings that were based around music. Baby Driver was one of Original the... song. Oh, original. It's Coco. Oh, I didn't see Coco. Well, yeah, but that's, that's the obvious. Like, let's be honest here. All Coco was to me was just, like... One of the kids shows that uh, uh, went on at my theater that I worked at over the summer. I'm sorry. It's a Pixar movie. You bite your tongue. What? No, I just... It is not a kid's movie. It is a Pixar film. 
Okay, we counted it as a kid's film at the theater I worked at. Yes, yeah, so did we. Oh. And we sold more tickets for that. We sold, when I worked at the theater over winter break, this is a tangent, but I don't care. We showed Coco for like three days before we before it left the theaters. It sold more tickets in those three days than we sold for Ferdinand the entire time. Oh, yeah, Coco beat Ferdinand badly. Um, best original score, The Shape of Water, which okay. is really interesting because if you listen to that score, it has whistling in it which Del Toro specifically asked uh, uh, Alexandre Desplat, who wrote the score, to put in to contrast the use of water. Interesting. Which is, an yeah, it's very interesting. Also, Alexandre Desplat has been nominated for Best Original Score quite a few times, and he, the first time he won was for The Grand Budapest Hotel a few years ago, which is a phenomenal film. Best Animated Short, Dear Basketball. That's gotten some controversy... With that win, because uh, Kobe Bryant now has an Oscar, which, yeah, that's funny because it relates back to the, a long, long time ago joke from The Office where Kevin goes, I just made a bet with somebody, and if Kobe ever wins an Oscar, I'm going to have a, I'm going to be really rich, or like something along those lines. But he's also kind of in the middle of some assault allegations that, yeah. considering the, the Me Too, the Me Too movement that clearly had a presence at the Oscars, just felt a little odd. But it can't speak to the quality of the film. If the film is good, then it should win. True. Um, I didn't see Deer Basketball or many of the animated shorts, so I can't speak to that. Um, best animated feature, Coco. Because Lego Batman wasn't nominated, which I will ever be, I will forever be salty about. Um, That's a, wait, really? Lego, yeah, we talked about this. For best animation, though? It wasn't nominated? No, it wasn't. The Boss Baby was nominated, but it wasn't. We talked about this in the first episode. I've seen Boss Baby. It was not good. I gave it a two it out of five. Like, I didn't hate it, but it was oh, not I did. something I would have paid to see. I hated it. Um, best Adapted Screenplay, Call Me By Your Name, written by now the oldest Oscar winner ever, James Ivory, a man who's not only written and directed movies before, but he's done it for like the past like 30 or 40 years. Um, best original screenplay, Get Out. Jordan Peele yes. is the first African American person to win best adapted or best original screenplay. And side note, watch his speech because it's awesome and it's funny um, because he's a great comedian. Also, there are some just adorable pictures of Keegan Michael Key, his partner from Keen Peele, reacting to him winning and then meeting at an Oscar party afterwards. It's it's adorable. It's adorable. I'm excited. Um, Best Supporting Actress, Allison Janney for I, Tonya. Um, She's a powerhouse, and there really wasn't... The only other person that I thought could have taken that from her was Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. Um, but I'm not upset she won. Sam Rockwell, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri for Best Supporting Actor. He definitely deserved it. Um, I thought the rest of the nominees were good, but nobody really, especially in that film's third act, he f***ing brought it. Um, the other one would be uh, Best Actress, Frances McDormand, um, for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Best Actor, Gary Oldman, as I already spoke about. And Best Director and Best Picture going to my boy, Del Toro for The Shape of Water. The first time I have agreed with a Best Picture winner in a very, 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 very long time. Um, yeah. There needs to be a show for you besides, like, the Oscars or something that just, like, critiques movies. 
you do realize that was a thing. When? Not for me, but, like, Roger Ebert and, like, the, it used to be a thing where, like, film critique would get, like, a whole show on TV. I just, I feel like you would be into it, watching it and seeing what other cri- um, critics thought. Yeah, no. Seeing if you agreed. No kidding. Yeah. Um... But yeah, those were the results of the Oscars. We got a few more loose ends to tie up here before we wrap things up. Um, unfortunately, uh, as is the case with the entertainment industry being so large and so vast and having so many people in it, occasionally people who are beloved will unfortunately pass away, and that is what happened recently. Um, I want to first mention, because this happened this morning, so I actually didn't have a chance to prep for it, um, Stephen Hawking passed away, and... That is tragic, and he will be missed because he's one of those people who, while he is a tremendous figure in the scientific community, he's also a wonderfully warm-hearted individual who just has such a great sense of humor about himself. I was going to say, he's just too funny. Um, He's just a humble person, and he has such a great sense of humor. And I think the best story that I've ever heard about Stephen Hawking is he he had guest voice roles on The Simpsons and Futurama, yet as opposed to simply sending them the file of his voice box, reading the words. He still went to the recording studio to record his lines. And I think that says a lot about him as a person like to where dedicated. he'd be willing to do. He, so, like, he was dedicated. His and he, biggest thing is Stephen Hawking has always been an extremely hard worker. Yes. He's, he does not give up, and he never takes the easy route. And for any of those who want... Well, took. Yeah. For any of those who want to remember him in any particular way, just watch The Theory of Everything... Like, even if you don't care about Stephen Hawking, watch The Theory of Everything. It's a beautiful film. It is a gorgeous movie. It is a heartbreaking film. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful love story. But anyway, uh, getting back to the things I actually prepped for, um, Bud Lucky, Oscar-nominated animator, passes away at 83 years old. Uh, If you don't know... Yes. If you don't know who Bud Lucky is, you, you do know Bud Lucky. You do. Um, he's you just an, don't know how you know him. Right. He's an animator who has, he's, um, he's most famous for voice roles, um, uh, as Eeyore. Um, he voices numerous characters in Pixar films. Um, most recently in Toy Story 3, he voiced Chuckles the Clown, who has the terrible backstory with, um... Lotso, Huggin' Bear, and if you now know that voice in your head, you can probably think back to other projects and Pixar's that... I was just like... You know that voice now, that kind of gruff grumble that still has that warmth to it. He's also an animator who's worked for years and years. Um, uh, He's animated shorts for Sesame Street. Um, Shorts like uh, The Alligator King... The Alligator King said to seven kids, like yes! that one, and the Ladybug Picnic. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, <laughs> eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Like, he, he animated those and sung them, um, in addition to various other Sesame Street animated shorts, like Penny Candy Man, That's About the Size, The Old Woman Who Lived in a Nine, um, jingles that he wrote with uh, Donnie Bud. Um, uh, he also wrote, directed, and narrated, and voiced, and sung... And composed the music for the short Boundin' that played before The Incredibles, in addition to voicing uh, the small role Rick Dickler, uh, 
Mr. Incredible's friend from the superhero relocation program. He talks to him in the hospital. He talks to him at the end of the film. Yes, um, I know who you're talking about. He voiced him as well. He's also, he designed Woody. Really? He designed, yeah, because he was a, he's been an animator at Pixar for quite a while. He designed Woody. He's also served as a character artist on A Bug's Life, Monsters, Inc., and Cars. He retired from doing animation himself in 2008, but continued to be a voice actor through 2014. Um, and, uh, he, when he went to Cal Arts, he was mentored by Art Babbitt, who designed Goofy. Oh, nice. Like, he's, he, he's a phenomenal animator, and it's just, he, he's a great, he's a great man. Um... His family is said in lieu of flowers or cards or things of that nature, you can donate to the Cal Arts Bud Lucky Scholarship Fund. Um, David Ogden Steers passes away at 75. He's probably most well-known to the older generation as Major Charles Emerson Winchester III in this TV show MASH. Um, he's voiced, uh, he's been various other characters throughout um, his life. Um, but to the younger generation, he's probably most famous in his voice. He's been the narrator of various Winnie the Pooh films. He voices Cogsworth in, the Beauty, in Beauty and the Beast, the original. The Boiler Man in Spirited Away, Mr. Mallard in Regular Show, and probably most famous for Jumba from Lilo and Stitch, mm-hmm. the scientist who creates Stitch. Um, he's a very funny actor. He's done great voice work um, in various Disney films, and just he's... He's he's a good one, and uh, like Bud Lucky, he will be missed. Um, and then, as always, we always like to end every podcast with a nice moment, a moment of good news. Um, and so that's this. This is this week's moment of good news. Um, for anyone who knows anything about Community, um, you probably know that it is a series ripe with uh, behind the scenes confusion and. And production issues and getting canceled and brought back and things of that nature. Um, For anyone who knows Chevy Chase, he's a very talented, very funny comedian who's not that great of a person. There's a lot you can read about him. Um, There's uh, some surprisingly sad information about his life after Saturday Night Live and especially prior to uh, the roast of Chevy Chase that happened on Comedy Central in the early 2000s. But... Recently, um, in uh, an interview with The New Yorker, um, and I believe also Dan Harmon, the creator and writer and showrunner on Community for many years, uh, spoke about this on a – I don't know if it was his podcast or if it was just a podcast recently. Um, He stated that behind the scenes, Chevy Chase would often try to disrupt his scenes – where he acted with Donald Glover by making by making racial cracks between takes and saying things of the nature of people think you're funnier just because you're black or making racist jokes towards him using the n-word um with Dan Harmon even stating I remember apologizing to Donald Glover after a particularly rough night of Chevy's non-PC verbiage and Donald said I don't even worry about it well that's because um and I went and read more from the article about um, Donald Glover, and his whole thing is he is good at everything but people. 
These are his words, not mine. But he was saying that people are hard because they don't want to be studied and they don't want to be bested. So it's not surprising that he's not going to pay any mind to Chevy Chase. Yeah. Because that's not an important person to him. Um, he stated, I just saw Chevy as fighting time. A true artist has to be okay with his reign being over. I can't help him if he's thrashing in the water, but I know there's a human in there somewhere. He's almost too human. And while you were probably asking, like, why is this the good news? I I bring it up as good news because of the fact that Donald Glover, even back when Community was on, he hadn't hit it big yet in things like Solo um spider-man homecoming i don't think at this particular point in time his career as childish gambino had really taken off yet and and atlanta 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 hadn't premiered on television yet that was years after community um but just the idea that he such a humble person to be like it's fine i understand i can see the i can see the reasoning behind why this person is doing something and while i don't agree with it i i can't get mad about it because it's nothing that I can help. And I think that's an incredibly humbling thing to say, and I think that's an incredibly respectful thing to say. Well, it's mature. And it's also, I think, like, a lot of people could learn from Donald Glover's attitude. Yeah. Um, but that is going to do it this week for The Real Life. Thank you for joining us. It was a shorter episode this time, so hopefully you stuck through the entire thing. Um, my name is Jacob Delandro. I'm an arts and entertainment staff writer for the Longwood Rotunda News Magazine. And... I have a film review column, The Real Life, which you can view either in print if you're one of the lovely people wandering around the Longwood University campus or online at therotundaonline.com where you can view it either in the arts and entertainment section or in the e-edition area. And I am Ray Mundy, and I write for the features section of The Rotunda. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we will see you later. Or see you in a few weeks. Whatever. Whichever comes first. (laughs) Nice. I don't end well. (laughs)